0: If you like what you hear, come and visit me at youtube.com slash tiptoethetank and see this content in all its glory. Harry Mason went to Silent Hill for his little girl, Cheryl. And when she slipped away after their wreck, he plunged into the hell of Silent Hill and its other world with no hesitation. Going back was never an option, not without Cheryl. Through bending, seeping realities, through violence and chaos, through the unexplainable, his only thought was for her. But Harry Mason never got the chance to be with his little girl again, and that's something that has sat with me more and more during my time away from Silent Hill. Harry didn't even get to say goodbye. He didn't get to see his little girl in the end. The hero fought his way through the many dangers and dungeons of the land to save the little princess, but at the finale, it was already too late. She was gone, consumed, back into the young woman called Alessa, made whole again. Cheryl wasn't killed. But returned from whence she came in their place in his daughter's place was an incubator for a so-called god of a cult simply the womb of a demon but still he fought the great evil i guess in a way he brought peace back to the kingdom never getting the closure of seeing the little princess again for seven years through loss and love the two had spent seven years together in her place was that gift and the request to take a new child, a rebirth of Alessa. In a way, a rebirth of Cheryl, but a new being as well. And Harry, being the brave knight of the land, he didn't hesitate in taking the child away with him, away from the collapsing hellscape of the other world. But that kind of loss, the loss of a child, it doesn't just fade away, Cheryl couldn't just be replaced, yet it's as if that was what was being asked of Harry. He could have said no, sure. He could have left the baby, he could have dropped her at an orphanage. But he didn't. His heart was broken over Cheryl and now he had a new baby to take care of. He took her home, adopted her, gave her some place to live. He doubted over and over again whether he had it within himself to raise this new child. I thought she could be that young woman who snatched away my beloved daughter. That led to sadness, anger. There were times when I put my hands around her tiny little throat. Several times I even considered abandoning her. That's what a terrible person I am. No harm came to the girl, though. He couldn't bring himself to hurt her, and he couldn't let the girl go. Harry tried to call her Cheryl, in honor of his wife and to remember his lost daughter, but it felt more wrong and painful, with each passing year for that name to be held by the child. Then, when she was five years old, the Order came knocking. They found them. They wanted the rebirth of Alessa. They wanted his Cheryl. And Harry killed them for it. Justifiable self-defense, it was deemed. Harry took his daughter into hiding, changing her appearance, instead calling her Heather to keep the girl safe. To keep the girl hidden. For her birthday one year, Harry gifted her with something, a necklace with a pendant. Inside, he hid away a dose of agliophotis, just in case, just in case. She needed to be prepared, even if she didn't know what she had in her possession. You see, despite his pain, Harry loved that girl. He raised her with love. He protected her as best as he could. His daughter, Heather Mason. The light of his life. But we've forgotten someone, haven't we? Someone who also experienced loss long ago when Alessa was burned by her mother. There was another girl, a friend of Alessa's. The two were close, like sisters. Oh, goodness! What was her name? What was her name again? What was her name? Oh, Claudia. Claudia, the poor child. Her father, Leonard Wolfe, was wildly unstable and a fanatic believer in the faith of the order. Like Alessa's mother Dahlia, Leonard beat and terrorized his daughter into compliance and cooperation, something witnessed by other members of the Order, but as we've mentioned before, the Order uses terror tactics against its own children, or at least turns a blind eye towards it. When Alessa was burned, taken away from her, she lost her only friend, her sister. Leonard's beatings and indoctrinations eventually took hold, Claudia grew into a fervent believer and rose to the hierarchy of the Order. With Dahlia's death, it left a job position open, didn't it? Perhaps it was natural talent like Alessa, or perhaps the spirit and gods of Silent Hill blessed her with it, but as her faith deepened, so did her power. Claudia became a frightening young woman, brimming with the powers of the other world. In her eyes, her only friend, her sister Alessa, had been reborn and stolen away by that man, Harry Mason. Claudia had been well taught that Alessa would one day usher in the rebirth of their god, and now, she'd been stolen away. Dahlia Gillespie had used Alessa out of selfishness. With her own daughter acting as the mother of god within a new paradise, Dahlia would be a person of importance, a person of power, and she used and manipulated everyone she could to accomplish this. She almost succeeded too, but while Dahlia is almost traditional in her villainy, Claudia is something else altogether, a completely different beast. She is pure in her intent. She wishes to revive God, to end the suffering of the world. She never forgot nor forgave her father, Leonard, for what he'd done to her. He tortured her. In her eyes, that was the world, suffering, pain, and hopelessness. But if she could bring about the rebirth of their God, then she could save everyone paradise would come to be not just for the believers but for the non-believers as well and she would do whatever she had to do for this to happen even if it meant sullying herself with sin even if it meant disqualifying herself from paradise because it was worth it to save the world from suffering it would be worth it her life was no more valuable than anyone else's If no one would step forward and take on the burden of those sins, then she gladly would, with no hesitation. I guess it was a form of love from Claudia, a self-sacrifice from a powerful and self-righteous woman. God would be born through suffering, trial, and pain. How else would a God of empathy and mercy be born if not from hellfire and torment? Claudia would see this brought upon the young woman who carried God within her. Upon the reincarnation of Alessa, first, she just had to find her. Seventeen years after that man Harry Mason stole the reincarnation of her friend Alessa, Claudia put her plans into motion, much to the chagrin of another member of the Order, a priest named Vincent Smith. Claudia and Vincent had known each other since they were children, Vincent grew into a materialistic, selfish coward of a man, who used his position within the church to dip into the donation box. He also apparently finds himself well, just hilarious and has a perfectly punchable weasel face. In fact, Vincent knew well just how horribly Leonard Wolfe abused his daughter. It had been burned into his mind, and he, he knew that the crazy old hag Dahlia Gillespie had indoctrinated her for years before her death. But if Claudia succeeds, Say she manages to get Heather into Silent Hill, and the other world. Say she can bring about the rebirth of God and usher in the apocalypse and paradise. Well, that would be really inconvenient for Vincent. Sure, he serves God in his own way, sure, 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 sure. But ending the world doesn't really gel with his pleasure schedule, so he will act as a force against Claudia. Vincent and Claudia seem to have a complicated relationship. He quite seems to personify everything Claudia would perceive as wrong with the world. The two seem like quite polar opposites, though Vincent has little fear of confronting Claudia verbally, questioning her beliefs, arguing with her, and asking her to explain complicated reasonings. He knows she's powerful and dangerous, so he never pushes too far. Other members of the Order speak in hushed tones of Claudia, of their fear of her. They also speak in hushed tones over Vincent's greed and worldliness, but it's quite interesting that Vincent and Claudia would be so willing to challenge one another. Vincent will do whatever he can to stop Claudia's plan, but he's a smart guy. He won't do it himself, no intervention unless the situation becomes dire. Instead, he will leave that to the young woman Claudia is seeking out. Perhaps in his own way, he can help her along stop this nonsensical and inconvenient god resurrection Claudia is so intent on. Perhaps if he plays his game properly, Claudia and this supposed holy one will be taken care of by the end of this. Gosh, Claudia is a dangerous woman, and obsessed with her mission. It would be really unfortunate if Vincent got in the way of that. Wouldn't it? As said before. 17 years after Harry Mason took the new child from the other world of Silent Hill, Claudia put her plans into motion. She would be about 29 to 30 years old at this point. She didn't send a posse of cultists after the girl, though. She wasn't so foolish to think that a mob would work on the Mason family. It's too loud, too risky. Instead, she went a very rational, sneaky route. She hired herself a private detective. Enter P.I. Douglas Cartland. A man with a tragic past who has only himself to blame for it, though, at least in his later years, he's fully aware of this and bears a great deal of guilt for it. Douglas was once a detective. After he retired, his wife passed on and his only child, his son, decided to rob a bank in an attempt to alleviate financial hardships on the household, though as he speaks of it, he was hardly a good husband or a good father. Alone in the world and with nothing else to do with his time. He became a private investigator, he's quite good at what he does, because tracking down Heather Mason didn't really seem to be a burden on the man. Douglas tracks down a 17-year-old Heather Mason at a shopping mall, where she is alone, separated from her father Harry Mason, though he gives her space for some time. When we first meet our girl Heather, she's in a terrible dreamscape reality, what we would recognize as a fledgling other world creeping into her dreams. It's the Lakeside Amusement Park. Remember that place where in Silent Hill 1, we totally saved Sybil Bennett's life as Harry Mason 17 years prior? Well, now Heather is dreaming of it in its modernized version. And somehow, it's even worse than the other world version of the amusement park from 17 years ago. It's more infested with monsters and beasts. The presence of it is tangible, even in a dream. And it would seem that as soon as Douglas found Heather, he informed Claudia Wolfe. The strength of this dream, the quick cascade of the other world over Heather, means... Claudia is nearby. Though Heather manages to wake up, sitting in an eerily quiet burger joint, devoid of people, with a foreboding red light flooding into the room. We get our first insight into the family dynamic of the Mason family, when Heather immediately exits the restaurant and goes for a payphone to call her father. She has a silly smile on her face when they talk, and. Heather made the call just to update him on her location and that she's headed home. She didn't get something that he'd asked her to pick up, but it's clearly not a big deal. She chuckles through the call and ends it with, I love you too, Dad. And those were good words to end that call with. Wouldn't you agree? Private Investigator Douglas decides that now is the time to make his presence known to Heather, probably at the behest of Claudia though Douglas doesn't really know exactly who it is that he's working for. When he approaches the young woman, he tells her that he has information about her birth, which isn't untruthful, it's just not the whole truth, unbeknownst to Douglas. He probably thought that such tantalizing information, a real-world clickbait line like, this is very important, it's about your birth, would reel the girl right in, but oh boy, it really, really didn't. Heather promptly rejects Douglas's clickbait, and decides to put distance between herself and him. Smart girl. Don't talk to strangers is relevant in some form at all ages. It's of course forbidden for a man to enter a woman's bathroom, so in she goes, but take a look at that symbol on the bathroom mirror. That almost looks like the seal of Metatron, doesn't it, from the first game? Well, not quite, the symbol's a bit more complicated. It's the Halo of the Sun. It's a symbol commonly used within the Order, it acts as a save point, yes, but to be more on brand, it's a point of remembrance for Heather, where small parts of Alessa return to her memory. These memories also cause her some pain, headaches, and discomfort. The halo of the sun is also a place of resurrection and travel. This symbol was also all around Silent Hill 4, though admittedly at the time, I didn't know what this was. I didn't know who Valtiel was, but more on our favorite dark deity later. Anyways, out the bathroom window, Heather continues, good job kid, though she has to make her way back in through another door to pass through the shopping mall. And inside, looks a bit gross, doesn't it? The floors are quite dirty, the walls aren't being well kept. This doesn't look like the most tidy of shopping malls, or something is slowly happening. It's hard to say, but the filth of this place is obvious, and most of the shops are closed down. Security panel doors are locked up. So, how long was she out in that burger joint? Why didn't anyone wake her? Where are all the people? It's well, something here is just not quite right. Is it? Though much like her father, Heather is quite fearless in her journey onwards. There is one shop with an open door and the security panels up a bit, so in she goes. First noticing, the gun. Why is there a gun on the ground in this boutique? Oh. Oh. Well, that was a stupid question, wasn't it? If it isn't clubby hand boy from the Otherworld dream, hmm, seems more of Claudia's influence is spreading. But the full strength of the Otherworld isn't upon her yet. Heather does what any rational person would do she starts shooting. Thankfully it brings the thing down. There was violent and disturbing beasts in the dream she fell into back at the burger place, but this is very much a form of reality. At least Heather is awake and exists here, killing this thing. It was the first time she's killed something. In the dark back halls of the shopping center, the young woman tries elevators and doors, trying to find a way out, but either the doors are jammed, locked, or the elevators are broken. There's only a few ways forward from this place. Beasts are starting to appear in the hallways, and there's another halo of the sun. And who the heck is putting all these keys all over the place, conveniently accessible with odd objects strewn around the place that are by happenstance open but unoccupied? Hmm. Through puzzles and knife fights, our girl Heather must persevere, and she does. Because this girl is just unusually sassy and rugged in a way that one might not expect, at least I certainly wasn't expecting it. It's not often that I cheer on teenage sass, but this girl knows what's up. Harry Mason has raised her well. She's handled Douglas without any issues, never missing a step. Now, as she treks on... Well, now she comes face to face with Claudia. Heather makes no effort to conceal any information and wears her emotion on her sleeve. She asks this strange, tall, blonde woman where everybody has gone to about the monsters outside. And much like Dahlia did to Harry, Claudia speaks in weird riddle sentences that don't really have any context and don't make any sense to Heather. They've come to witness the beginning, the rebirth of paradise, despoiled by mankind. We can piece together and decipher it, but what is this supposed to mean to Heather? Surely Claudia would know that it sounds of nonsense. Heather doesn't seem to care about her riddle speak, even asking, who cares when Claudia introduces herself? But we have to remember, Claudia hasn't lived a worldly life. Her own behavior is very normal to herself. She probably wouldn't have anticipated the reincarnation of Alessa, the mother of God, to have so much attitude. But as Claudia divulges some veiled information regarding Heather's power and the descent of the other world, those those minor head pains that she's been experiencing at the halo of the sun, well, now they bring her down with piercing pain. Something within her, memories of the life of Alessa, are beginning to stir. It's not pleasant when this happens. Claudia leaves. Fair enough. Heather just wants to go home. Everything seems to be going back to normal in the back hallways. At at least the elevator is working, right? But there is no reprieve for her. She's come this far, but will she be able to handle this descent into the other world? Down she goes, stepping off into another lift, made of bars and a rusted-out floor paneling. And who else should be there to usher her on into the other world but Valtiel, the manservant of God? Remember, Valtiel isn't explicitly a friend or foe to Heather Mason. Valtiel exists in service to God, exists to bring about the rebirth of God and Heather carries within her, God, just like Alessa did after Dahlia's ritual. And Valtiel will do what Valtiel passively does in order to make sure that God is reborn. This is his role, after all, overseeing the cycle of rebirth. He will appear in the various nooks and crannies of areas as we proceed, but will focus on this mysterious deity only when it's plot relevant. The other world Claudia has wrought upon Heather is meant to terrify her, to bring her pain. All of Claudia's actions are in service to her plan, the birth of an empathetic god, born from Heather's own suffering. She is very alone here, in the dark, monsters around every corner. It's a lot to ask of a 17-year-old, but she doesn't miss a beat. Through several layers of this shopping mall all on her own, she makes it to a place where a great monster resides. In the previous video, I called these great beasts anchors for the other world and that seems to still be a fitting thing to call them. There's just no seal of Metatron here. Just the great beast. And just like her father did seventeen years ago, Heather brings it down. And when she does, just like seventeen years ago, the other world fades away. Heather returns to a more true reality, devoid of rusted out blooded metalworks and sickly monsters. The floors are even clean. But it's dark outside, how long has it been? And dang, there's the halo of the sun, an indicator that something is still quite amiss, and the phones don't work either. Heather isn't back in the real world, so to speak, but she would have no way of knowing that. The next logical step is to the subway system, take a train home. Though it would seem that Heather isn't quite alone, is she? Doing business with Claudia White has more than a few downsides, doesn't it, Douglas? The private investigator is also trapped within this other place. Not quite the other world. Not quite the real world. And now it's his turn to freak out. If you were in Heather's position, if you were able to piece it all together like she did, would you run to Douglas for help? Or try to maul the man? This started because he tracked her down. He informed Claudia of her location. Heather knows that Douglas's arrival coincides with Claudia's, and she quite takes an aggressive stance at the man. Thankfully, he doesn't try to hide that Claudia hired him, but well, she didn't mention anything about monsters, warping realities, and the rebirth of God, did she? Heather doesn't have any pity on Douglas, though. They share in confusion, but it's Douglas who carries part of the blame for what's going on. All she kind of knows is that well, she's been running from something she'd forgotten about for for a very long time that it has to do with that there's there's something about her but oh what was it and wait how did she remember that just now she needs to get home so heather ditches douglas at the mall entrance and heads into the subway system the eerily quiet empty infested subway system Through the abandoned subway station she goes, it's the only way to reach home. Dropped off at the pitch black underpass with only her flashlight to eliminate her path. The swarms of beasts are starting to get denser now. Some are quite large, quite unique, quite aggressive, but it's the only way to reach home. Up into an office building she goes, good. There will definitely be a way out here, back to the street, but it's so dark here too. And why doesn't the elevator work? Oh, there's another halo of the sun and a bathtub in one of the storage rooms. Heather fiddles with the handle, but nothing comes out, of course, though something comes up from the drain. Looks a bit like blood, doesn't it? Then that ice-pick migraine, that crippling pain, comes back to Heather. Worse this time. Worse than ever before. And before her eyes... The other world takes form. It's being invaded by the other world. By a world of someone's nightmarish delusions come to life. Words spoken by her father seventeen years ago, when he began to understand what the other world was. The imagery here is more aggressive. More human. Cages and chains hold disfigured corpses. Disgusting beasts slither around the floor on all fours. The halo of the sun glows brightly in the darkness. An impassable, gluttonous amalgamation blocks the exit. And artwork relevant to the Order appears in the gallery. The strength and horror of Claudia's other world is growing. And as if things couldn't get any worse, Vincent Smith shows up. It's time for the two to meet for the first time. And Heather, like a good skeptic, questions his affiliations with Claudia, which Vincent of course adamantly denies any alliance with the woman. And like Claudia, he teases out bits of information about Alessa's past, Heather's true identity, and takes a stab at Harry for his sneakiness and for keeping secrets, though, like Douglas before, this teasing doesn't work on Heather. Vincent actually quite angers her by talking negatively of her father which he quickly walks back in an effort to continue on their conversation. Though he just keeps being an antagonizing know-it-all, who refuses to give actual information a real charmer, really helpful, thanks a lot Vincent, you absolute ass. Thankfully, Heather doesn't let him walk all over her with his snideness and removes herself from the conversation, recognizing that there is something deeply wrong with Vincent. Heather's only way forward is a banishment of the glutton blocking the door, with magic words held in a storybook. Now, this is the other world of Claudia. I'll timestamp it on the video if you would like to skip this fairy tale reading. But as I read, see this as a part of Claudia. Things from the past, possibly things that are happening in the present. See what characters you can identify from her imagination, from her perspective. Once upon a time, there was a monster living at the gates of a village. It was a very scary and very bad monster. It would catch people and crunch them up with its big teeth. The villagers were afraid of the monster and no one would dare approach the gates. Everyone was stuck inside the village. When the king heard about this, he summoned his knights. The knights eagerly rode out to defeat the monster. Ha! Take that! Their swords slashed, and their spears flashed, but the monster wouldn't die. The monster tossed the knights into its mouth one by one, horses and all. What was the king to do? He fretted and fussed and paced the floor, but could think of no solution. Soon after, the village priestess came to the castle. She was a very kind and good person. The king asked her to defeat the monster guarding the gates. The priestess accepted the king's request and went to the village gates, but when she saw the monster, she tried to convince it with words instead of killing it. Shut up! I'm going to eat you up! The monster didn't listen to a word the priestess said, but she kept trying to convince the monster to give up. It's wrong to eat people, you know. The monster grew very angry at this and attacked her, killing her with a single mighty blow. The king and his people shed tears at the death of the kind priestess. God took pity upon them and, granting their wishes, healed the priestess. The priestess opened her eyes just as she had done every morning of her life. She went once more to the monster's lair. Fool! You wish to die again? No. This time, it is your turn. The priestess had come to defeat the monster once and for all. As the priestess was very, very kind, she felt sad about this task, but it had to be done. Swords and spears won't work. Arrows and bullets will just bounce off of me. You can't kill me. The monster laughed, but the priestess used neither sword nor spear. She chanted but a single spell. Toofui, Ego Eris. Do you know what happened then? The monster let out a huge cry and then died and vanished. Thus the villagers were able to use their gates once more. Everyone lavished their gratitude upon the priestess, and they all lived happily ever after. To Fui Ego Eris. As you are, I was. As I am, so you shall also be. With these secret words, the glutton guarding the exit is dispelled and Heather can finally leave finally go home, finally talk to her father about the madness that she's experienced. Who could answer her questions better than Harry Mason? And thankfully, the Daisy Villa apartments aren't far away. Just, just up the street. Except, someone else got there first, and this hurts to see, but Heather's response tells a story in itself. This is a grievous wound to the stalwart young woman, though she is independent and strong-willed. She wasn't ready to be without her father yet, let alone lose him completely. This is pain and true sorrow, it's exactly what Claudia wanted to inflict. And she gets to rejoice in taking revenge on Harry Mason, revenge for stealing away Alessa Gillespie heather's sorrow flips to rage when she follows blood droplets up to the roof where claudia herself is waiting and to her credit she's very honest about why she had harry killed and doesn't back down from heather's anger instead she asks her to remember who claudia is who heather used to be she's destined to birth a god to bring forth paradise Heather raises her weapon on Claudia, but Claudia is exceedingly powerful in this distorted reality. But rather than raise her hand against Heather or assert dominance over her with a show of force, she directs Heather's rage towards the beast that Claudia commanded to carry out the killing of Harry Mason. That's a good target for her, that will help her fester in rage for a while. Claudia will be waiting for her where it all began in the town of Silent Hill. Back in the quiet of the Mason family apartment, Douglas is waiting for Heather to return, looking over Harry's body. The man doesn't really know what to say. He's done enough to ruin his own family, now he's brought ruin to the Masons. If he hadn't done it, somebody else would have, of course, but that doesn't really alleviate any guilt. And he has so much guilt to carry. And Heather, clearly not okay, declares that, in fact, she is just fine and wants to be left alone. Douglas can't really seem to choose the right words to calm the girl. That probably wouldn't even be possible with a well-prepared script, but still he tries. Even if he can just serve as a verbal punching bag for her, he apologizes. But rather than throw him out, Heather accepts his help in moving her father's body to his bed. To be covered and graced with flowers. Heather shares her intention to travel to Silent Hill, where Claudia said she would be waiting. And She has no idea what's waiting for her there, but she won't let Claudia get away with what she's done. And what else does Heather have now? What other option is there? Run and hide? She'd never have a life free from the Order. They will never give up that hunt. Claudia will find her. Her headaches are getting worse. Alessa is stirring, There's a god slumbering inside of her. No, she's going to Silent Hill, and she's going to find Claudia, and she's going to kill the witch. Douglas tries to impart that revenge doesn't solve anything, but that doesn't really work. He can't talk her out of her plan, so instead, he helps her. He's sort of responsible for her now, in a way, and this is what she wants to do, so... Douglas will, in the very least, be able to give her a ride to the town. Even if that puts him in danger, even if he could die there, it's fine. It doesn't matter. No one will cry over his grave anyways. As Heather says goodbye to her father, Douglas waits outside, and who should issue a drive-by greeting to Douglas but Vincent Smith? Vincent gave him a map and a note saying where to look for a man named Leonard, so... The duo has a lead. Good guy Vincent, right? Except, we know who Leonard is, don't we? Leonard Wolfe. The father of Claudia Wolfe. And spoiler alert, he's not good news, is he? He was her abuser, her tormentor, a part of why she turned out the way she did. Furthermore, he's a part of the Order. Thanks a lot, Vincent. Douglas gave Heather something that Harry had on him when he died, a notebook with To My Dear Daughter, written on the front. Harry never told Heather the full, true story of her birth. It was probably to keep the girl safe, to give her a normal life, keep her as unshackled to the past as possible. But like the pendant she wears with the dose of agliophotis inside of it, he had a backup plan, in case she needed to know. He wrote it all down, her origins, Alessa's story, who Cheryl was, his role in it all, his struggles and pain, and his love for her. Heather is trying to remember Alessa's life, the dormant god within her, trying to remember it as a part of her own story. Those memories slumber within her, but she can't quite reach them yet. Silent Hill is in a familiar state foggy, devoid of people sporadically littered with monstrosities. We traveled these exact streets with Harry Mason not so long ago. Seems not a lot has changed in 17 years, has it? After going deeper into old, uh, team-silent literature and spending more time with the characters of the series, I think my initial understanding of this fog world was underdeveloped or just wrong. And I love it when this happens because it means that there's something even deeper to the lore of the game than I initially thought. There's more potential to it. So rather than being linked intrinsically to the Order, the Fog World is more tied to the spiritual strength of the land, something that can exist without the work of the Order to fuel it. An individual can walk this Fog World should their pain, their trauma, violence, etc. be compelling enough to attune them into it. It's the frightening Other World that acts as the full strength of its anchor point. Think. Alessa, Walter Sullivan, and Claudia. All linked to the Order, but, as we'll see another time, wink wink, you don't have to be a part of the Order and their belief system to bring about the descent of the Other World. But back to Douglas and Heather for now. Douglas departs to search for Leonard Wolfe's home. Heather splits off to search the Brookhaven Hospital. Now, when Alessa was burned, she was taken to and stored within Alchemila Hospital. Brookhaven Hospital serves as more of a psychiatric treatment facility. And it doesn't seem like it was the healthiest of places to be. I have a few questions in regards to Brookhaven, the first of which being, was this a bit of a dumping ground for the order to get rid of problematic parishioners? If so, were the doctors and higher-ups within Brookhaven complicit? Leonard Wolfe was a patient here. It was suspected that he was schizophrenic, and while typically calm and manageable, He had violent outbursts, and was prone to obsessive ideations. Another prominent patient here was a man named Stanley Coleman, who's a real just quote-unquote funny mystery. Stanley writes letters to Heather, though not in a past tense sense, but rather in a present tense. Heather never sees Stanley, at least not while he's alive. Yet he writes as though he's in observation of her while she's in the hospital. Spirits can linger within the warped reality of Silent Hill, can interact with the world, even have a presence in it. So, these could be letters written by this Stanley Coleman in the moment, delivered for Heather to find as she travels through the fog world version of the hospital. Or, this could be Heather herself impacting the warped reality around her with her own fear of being watched from afar by someone who's dangerous. A quite rational fear to have. If you have any thoughts on this character, Stanley Coleman, let me know in the comment section down below. But if I may, read to you just a few samples of Stanley Coleman's letters. This day has finally come. That's right, the day when you and I will meet. I was always thinking of you here in this gloomy cell. I never knew your name or your face until today, but I know now. I know you're the one I've been waiting for, and haven't you been waiting for me Two, that's why you came to rescue me. Oh, how I love you, Heather. I want to give you my prized doll I made to commemorate our meeting, the start of this everlasting love. Oh, I can already see your smiling face. Heather, my most sacred lover, I'm always watching you, no matter where you are or what you may be doing. I've never lost sight of you. And I know that you feel intensely lonely, yet. With a single key to this door, those feelings won't stand in the way any longer. We haven't been able to see each other for so long. Just be patient, just a little longer. I'll be patient too, even though I long to hold you in these hands of mine. Leonard Wolfe himself manages to phone Heather, though his intent was to speak with his daughter, Claudia. It seems that Leonard thinks of Claudia as foolish for her campaign to supposedly save all of mankind. I imagine that there's nothing Claudia could have done that would have earned her Leonard's approval anyways. Even as an adult, as a powerful priestess of the order, a believer in the faith, he's still picking her apart trying to control her. When he finally accepts that he's not speaking with Claudia, that he's speaking with someone named Heather, well he backtracks and is actually apologetic. Heather isn't the target of his abuse, so his tone changes. Heather is openly angry when speaking of Claudia, so the two have a little bonding time over it. Even when Heather's intention to kill Claudia is given word, Leonard doesn't hesitate in extending an offer of aid. Claudia must be stopped, after all. End of the hall on the second floor, girl. Off you go now. Going towards Leonard Wolfe leads Heather back into the underworld. Gates slam behind her as she goes forbidding any backtracking or escape. The halo of the sun symbol hurts her head a bit less now, and a vivid memory of Alessa's past comes to Heather, it's that of Lisa Garland, Alessa's nurse. Heather remembers how, how kind Lisa was to Alessa, but Heather refers to Alessa as herself now. And what else should greet Heather in her descent but yell? churning that wheel, protecting the cycle of rebirth, a bound feminine form not far away. And in his presence, a heartbeat keeps pace. Leonard Wolfe is deep within the hospital of the other world, and it would seem that Leonard's problem with Claudia isn't her beliefs, but rather the gall of the woman for wanting to extend paradise to all of mankind, to the non-believers as well. Why do they deserve the keys to paradise? And Heather is just so tired of this. She doesn't attempt to understand his reasoning, doesn't try to argue with him, doesn't try to think the way he does. She just doesn't want any part of it. Well, this is perceived as a deception to Leonard, and Heather is a non-believer to think he almost gave her his seal, his seal of Metatron. Oh, we know what that is, don't we? Alessa was using this symbol long ago in an attempt to take Silent Hill out of reality and plunge it into the Other World. It's only as powerful as its user, remember. Leonard is openly hostile towards Heather due to her status as a non-believer. Within the Other World, he is a bloated, moist, rotting out, lumbering being. Thankfully, if you're creative? Well there's more than one way to bring Leonard Wolf down and couldn't have happened to a nicer guy. Hmm. With Leonard Wolf dead, the other world fades away, at least for now. Heather also now has the seal of Metatron. And we get an insight into what happened when Claudia and Vincent met at Silent Hill after Claudia found out that Vincent had directed Heather specifically towards Claudia's father at Brookhaven. Claudia knows that he became a part of the other world, and that Heather has killed him. And it happened because Vincent meddled around with her plans. Claudia seems mournful at Vincent's choices and his mockery of her beliefs they fight over the nature of god who who does and doesn't deserve salvation they're both quite strong-willed and stand opposed to one another but they're quite harmful in their words vincent more so as he openly tries to use claudia's own hatred towards her father against her to poke holes in her faith to try and convince her that she's just misguided but really he's just trying to stop her vincent doesn't care about claudia when Heather returns to the motel to look for Douglas, Vincent is still there, waiting for her, and he just keeps playing his games. According to Vincent, oh, well, no, 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 Claudia, Claudia wasn't just here. That's ridiculous. Hey, hey, remember Douglas? Yeah, Douglas, he left a message for you. The church is across the lake. That's where Claudia is. Remember Claudia? and how? bad and evil she is, never mind that Douglas was searching for Leonard's house, not the church. The only way there is is probably through the amusement park. It's a bit far, but closer than heaven. <laughs> Don't you trust me? <laughs> this guy is about as coy as an electric fence. But now, it's back to the Lakeside Amusement Park. We've been here before with Harry Mason, and Heather has seen this place in her dark dreams. The other world is here, so in a way, it's all too familiar, isn't it? But Douglas is actually here, no doubt guided here by Vincent just like Heather was, and he's confronting Claudia. He's quite upset with how this investigation has turned out and how Claudia used and deceived him. She's told him that Heather had been kidnapped from her family and brainwashed, though, really, I mean, are those actually lies? She hired him for his services, gave him some vague reasoning for it, but from Claudia's perspective, there weren't any lies told, and she's all too happy to justify herself to Douglas, perfectly willing to be open about her intentions, her plans. It's just just disappointing that he doesn't agree with her, isn't it? It's tragic that he doesn't view paradise the same way that she does. Well, maybe he just doesn't understand. When he raises his gun on her, Claudia offers him pity and takes action against him. When Heather finds Douglas, well, he's still alive. Claudia didn't kill him, though she could have. She commands beings of the other world. It wouldn't be difficult, but she didn't. She left him with a a broken leg and a few knocks on the noggin, but nothing more. And now Douglas understands who Heather is, her story and the God that is dormant inside of her. And if that thing gets out, if Claudia succeeds, then that's it. It's a game over for the world. Heather is intent on stopping Claudia, but what if she fails? Can Douglas allow that possibility? Harry struggled with the same choice, and much like Harry, Douglas cannot bring himself to harm her. He just, he just has to have faith in the person that Heather Mason is. Upon a wild carousel, Heather meets another part of herself, another part of Alessa, a wounded, burned, aggressive visage, intent on stopping Heather, perhaps not out of cruelty or malice, but to end any possibility of God's rebirth. Could they keep Valtiel away, prevent the deity from bringing Heather back to life, kill the God within her? Alessa tried to end her life 17 years ago, to stop her mother, to stop the order, but Heather is different. She she remembers what happened to Alessa, she understands her reasoning, but Heather says that the two of them don't think alike. Heather will choose her own way forward. Not far away, Heather reaches Claudia's sanctuary, the church. And surprisingly, Claudia was not expecting Heather's arrival, at least not at this specific place. She quickly pieces together that it was Vincent who led her here, but she does not get angry. It's fine. It serves her own purposes as well. Though during her self-righteous riddle-speak, Claudia says something very interesting, Oh Alessa, the world you wanted is nearly here. Dahlia had a direct hand in Claudia's education before she was killed. Within this church, Alessa is depicted as a saint. Despite Alessa's wish to stop the god within her, to end the order, and to take her own life, Alessa was used as propaganda, and Claudia bought into it completely. Heather takes on a different tone, posing as Alessa, saying that she does not in fact want this. Claudia buys into her charade quite quickly, with almost a desperation. She's, she's missed Alessa. She still views her as a sister and Claudia has lived a very, very lonely life. But even her desire for Alessa's return isn't enough to turn her away from her faith when Heather denounces what she's doing when she defies Claudia's faith. Abdominal pains begin to overtake Heather, it would seem that there's a little god preparing to be born inside of her, and Heather is brimming with hatred for Claudia. It's all going according to plan, just a little while longer. Within the church library, Heather meets the Snake Vincent one last time. He sort of fesses up to being a part of the Order. That he disagrees with Claudia for his own personal reasons and that he really does want to help Heather along to accomplish his own goals. It would be inconvenient and unpredictable if she succeeded. And he didn't want to do his own dirty work in stopping Claudia because, well, well, he actually has a pretty good reason. He doesn't have powers like he thinks Heather does, like he knows that Claudia does. He would get torn to shreds. He's a self serving ass and a liar. He's just being a bit more honest about it now. To throw the moral compass of Heather's accusations against him, he plays one more game. Don't stand there looking so smug. You're the worst person in this room. You come here and enjoy spilling their blood. And. And listening to them cry out You feel excited When you step on them And I feel snuff about their lives Are you talking about the monsters? Monsters? They look like monsters to you? Oh, no. Excuse me? Don't worry It's just a joke God, he has so many teeth that I wish I could just punch right up of his fucking face. This, I think, is really just Vincent playing his games to keep Heather off balance and uncertain. He believes the Steel of Metatron will stop Claudia, but, well, we'll see about that. Before reaching Claudia within the church, Heather gets a final tour through the other world to relive memories of Alessa and even her father. All is laid out before her to prepare her for what Claudia is doing. Though, upon reaching the center of the church, it would appear that Vincent got here first. What unfolds is really Vincent trying to call a spade a spade. He drops his pretty speak and weird fake emotions to put pressure on claudia in this final moment to reason with her to stop her this place they now walk is the creation of claudia not god how could she presume to know the will of god has she forgotten that money something that she so despises is why she has this church in the first place when heather interrupts their spat vincent commands heather to kill claudia interesting that As well as Vincent knew Claudia, he would not have expected her to literally stab him in the back. It's time now for Claudia and Heather to have their final conversation before God is reborn. Though Heather, or Alessa as Claudia calls her, didn't willingly agree to this process, that's of no consequence her consent is not required to birth the God. She nurtured the God with hatred. To Claudia, it is sympathy for all mankind, Which will be born from this pain and suffering. The perfect God in eternal paradise. Not for Claudia, she knows. She knows that she is too tainted with sin. But that's okay, it's not for her. She does not deserve mercy for the pain that she's caused Heather. Vincent beckons to Heather to use the seal of Metatron their trump card. They will win this day, for sure, and it will stop this madness. Use the seal. Leonard Wolfe said it would work. The seal of Metatron is only as powerful as its wielder, the seal, not a talisman with the seal on it. Heather is not Alessa, nor is she Claudia, and she certainly doesn't have the power of a god, she's just the incubator for it. This talisman itself isn't going to do anything against anyone here, Vincent's life ends with a grand failure. Now alone with Claudia Wolf, the god within Heather begins to awaken. Claudia has waited for this moment, for this exact moment, for so long, just to witness Judgment Day. Heather is able to get herself together, but only for a very brief time. That god is waking up, and it's happening quickly. So. To give in, or to fight, how do you so choose to proceed? Around her neck, Heather still wears her pendant, and within is the agliophotus that Harry planted so long ago. Consuming the agliophotus makes Heather retch and heave on the ground. A very concerning turn of events for Claudia, who has no idea what she just did. Heather manages to puke up the fetus, of the god. The girl even goes in for a well-placed stomp before Claudia pushes her aside and picks up what she sees as god and Claudia cannot abandon her mission. She'll do whatever she must to deliver mankind unto paradise so she will birth god instead. She consumes the fetus and allows god to begin feasting upon her from the inside out. I'll give you a moment. Who do you think is going to pop out of that hole? Oh, of course. It's Valtiel. The rebirth is at hand. The manservant of God must attend to her. Heather pursues them into the birthing room of God, where Valtiel is preparing her, as is his purpose. The half-formed God has consumed Claudia. Though it was once a part of Alessa and Heather, the mother of God, will find no safety here. As Harry Mason did 17 years ago now, Heather Mason takes up a physical fight against this newly formed God. It is not the demon from 17 years ago, the form that Alessa imagined God would take, but a feminine being bearing a resemblance to Alessa. And again, just as her father did, Heather is able to end this newborn god, and that hatred in her heart that Claudia so completely nurtured comes to the surface. She stomps and kicks this ugly, dirty thing, and all the emotion that she's had to keep bottled up to reach this point can finally, finally come to the surface. It's such a burden to bear, especially for someone so young. She did it. She defeated Claudia. She stopped the rebirth. That she can pick herself up afterwards, to to move forward, it's a testament not only to her own strength, but to the upbringing that she had. Back in the amusement park, it seems that things are returning to normal in Silent Hill, or at least as normal as they can be. Heather's tears are gone. She walks up to the injured Douglas, holding a knife out as though she's going to stab him, but instead just boos at him like, like it's a bad joke. It seems that the young woman is trying to cover up her emotions. Play it off like everything is a okay The good guys won. It's time to go home. And she decides that she doesn't want to go by Heather anymore. That was the name they used while she was hidden away from the world. Instead, she'll go by Cheryl. We don't get any closure. No ending credits showing a recovering, well-adjusted Cheryl Mason in the future. All we can hope is that... Our girl got help, that she found stability, that she found a way forward in life. That she was able to leave Silent Hill behind.